0: How's it going, guys? Welcome to the Serious Angler Podcast. For those that are new to the show, the Serious Angler Podcast was created to highlight the dedicated and passionate anglers in our fishing community uh, to try and provide a platform for them to tell their story of how they got into fishing and where it's brought them to today. I hope you guys enjoy the show. Um, You can watch it on YouTube at the Ikebra Outdoors channel. Uh, if you're not already, you can watch over there, or you can access the podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, the Anchor app, the Angler app, uh, and many more different podcast applications. Appreciate you guys listening, and enjoy the episode. All right, welcome back to another Serious Angler podcast. Uh, today, we have a very special podcast, one that I am super excited for, and it is a small mouth panel. I told you guys I'd be doing these panels Eventually, I've done one previously where we talked about random topics in the fishing industry, but today it is primarily focused on brown, bronze goodness. Smallmouth bass, the the one fish that we all love so dearly so much around the country. Um, Not that we neglect our largemouth, but something about a smallmouth just makes an angler tick just a little bit more um so today i have a few gentlemen joining me um from all over the country because we're going to split this up by regions and uh talk about how smallmouth behave act the whole nine yards we're going to get really get into it and digest these these smallmouth bass around the country on this podcast today uh from the northeast i have mr casey smith uh, from the midwest i have benjamin nowak from the smallmouth experience i have austin wilson coming from the west out in california and now from the South, I have two guys representing us from the South, and that is Mr. Caleb Bell and Mr. Alex Rudd. Um, you guys can go and look uh, down below in the description, all these guys' personal podcasts they have done with me uh, one-on-one. You guys can learn about them and their backgrounds a l- little bit as well. But today we're going to use their expertise as a as a group and collectively combine them, talk about them as a region and... Uh, Bring up some pretty good points. I think. I think there's going to be a lot of uh, good information come from this, and it's going to be pretty exciting to see, you know, what there is said and you know the knowledge dropped today. So, looking forward to it. Hope you guys are too. Let's get started. All right, we are recording. It's kind of a different podcast today. I got more than just myself and one of you guys. I got a whole group. My introduction. I show I told everybody how we're doing a. A small mouth only panel where we're talking about the different things, smallmouth in different regions. We got you guys all over the country. And Austin, you're probably the warmest of all of us here over in Cali. How are you doing? Yeah,
1: was, uh, <laughs> yesterday.
0: What's that? It
2: was 94 degrees here yesterday. What? Yeah.
0: Sheesh. How are you guys doing down in the south there, uh, Caleb and Alex?
3: Oh, it is nice down here. I mean, it was what? What do you think it was today? I mean, it was a little bit rainy today, but yesterday it's ever been a seventy-five, seventy-eight degrees, something like
0: that. Yeah, dude, it was gorgeous yesterday. It was yeah. a great day. Nice, Ben. How you doing over there in Michigan? Probably similar to us.
4: Yeah, we're finally starting to get some warm weather, like fifties and sixty-degree days. So things are starting to get pretty nice
5: here.
0: Nice. I bet y'all are yeah, killing them. Yeah, Casey, we're doing we're good now. This weekend looks pretty nice. It looks like we're getting yeah sixties.
5: We're good. I like it when it's a little cool. I don't want 94 degrees. I'm, I'm good with it. <laughs> yeah, At yeah. least hey, do hey, we have humidity. It's pretty dry here in Cali. Ah,
0: yeah, yeah. I can't do 94. No, anything over 80, I like. I get uncomfortable. I, I like the the motto of you know when it's it's too cold, you can put on layers, but when it gets too hot, you can't really do much about it besides AC.
4: Well, Alex would disagree.
0: Yeah, uh-huh. I
6: mean, I, I asked if it was okay if I got naked at some point during this podcast. <laughs> Listen, you live in the South long enough, you have one of those 94 degree days where it's 100% humidity, it feels like you're wearing a jacket when you walk outside. You yeah. gotta get naked. I mean, you know, I live far enough away from everybody, they never know I'm naked. <laughs>
3: nice, get the nice uh, slimy, slick coat going on your body. Oh,
0: oh nice. yes. Yeah. No full
1: nanos,
0: like it. That's Before we get too sidetracked, uh, obviously this whole podcast is based on small mouth. So we're gonna let's go around real quick. uh, Just a quick question: You know, what do you love most about a smallmouth? So I guess we'll we'll probably start alphabetical then. So Alex, if you want to go first and just tell everybody, you know, what do you like most about the smallmouth? What draws you in the most? Um, probably this aggressiveness. So it is the meanest fish
6: on planet Earth. I mean, well, next to a spotted bass, but a smallmouth seriously is. They're just they're and we'll get on you'll know, get into this later on in the podcast but like our fish <clears throat> down here especially southern smallmouth and caleb can vouch for this oh yeah they're just freaking they are insane they go insane they unload on baits like nothing else unloads on a bait i mean they are just a completely different animal when it comes to bass fishing down here especially
1: awesome
0: awesome
2: yeah, I think the same thing. You know, they're so aggressive. You know, obviously, I fished out on the uh, East Coast. I, you know, obviously, I live here in Cali, but it seems like everywhere I go, just how aggressive the smallmouth are. You know, like spotted bass are pretty aggressive, you know, but man, those smallmouth are mean, especially if you get in a river system. Oh, mm. and with a long current, those are quite sick.
6: Amen. Now, there it is. Yeah.
0: yeah, yeah. <laughs> preach, brother. Preach. <laughs> ben, well, you man?
4: Yeah, I mean, kind of like the best of both worlds, they're fun because they're such a challenge to catch. Like, largemouth are pretty predictable, but, like, smallmouth, especially in the north, move around so much that they're, like, a pain in the butt some days. Where when you actually go out and you find, like, a big pot of fish, I really enjoy, like, that puzzle of putting together and being able to, like, stay on top of and follow those fish a bunch of different places. So, I mean, that's, that's a big thing for me. Cool. Caleb? I think for me, I, <clears throat>
3: a lot of the same stuff that everyone said so far, but uh, one thing that drew me as a kid, especially when I started to catch smallmouth around here, they're not as prevalent, especially when I was a kid. Like a, a lot of the lakes around here, there weren't huge populations of them. They've really come back as the spotted bass populations have diminished in our lakes. But just that look, like that especially those ones that are almost black, you know, bronze color. They have all kinds of crazy colors, sartreus, war paint, red eyes, you know, just a really cool looking fish. And you combine that with their natural mean instincts. And it's just, it's crazy to me, you know, especially Alex knows, I do a ton of river fishing specifically for smallmouth and those tail fish, like they are a completely different breed of smallmouth. Like, your hook to land ratio some days just is terrible, when, especially in warm water like this. Because as soon as you hook that fish, they are literally tail walking all the way to the boat. You cannot keep up with them with a spinning rail. You can barely do it with a baitcaster. It's oh, absolutely preach,
5: so. my man. They are pretty fish.
3: <laughs> yeah, yeah, I love it. Casey,
5: same thing. They're mean. They're aggressive. They're dumb. Most importantly, where I live. <laughs> Uh, That helps. Uh, The way they look is cool. There's nothing better than standing in a way in line and looking in a bag with a bunch of big giant striped tiger striped smallmouth. So same thing
4: yeah so guys tune in next week we're going to come back with uh, group d e and f since we just went through a b and c um
0: <laughs> that's funny sorry so beyond the knowledge of you guys the one reason i also picked you guys to help me with this whole smallmouth panel is pretty much all of you have fished almost all over the country um majority of us you know north south um but austin obviously you've done all freaking corners of the the country being in cali but you know and we can't really go through this every question alphabetical so we might jump over each other a little bit so that's okay we'll figure it out but uh you know biggest behavioral differences you might see from fish down south to north to even out west oh
2: yeah man i mean they're they're all ag- aggressive it's it's kind of hard to say you know if it's the river systems that are just the most aggressive uh, but you know, it's smallmouth and smallmouth. just like a largemouth large largemouth. They hang around the grass. You find you know find boulders, chunk rock. I feel like that's where they're gonna mostly hang out. You know, so um, you know, out here in Cali, we have a big mixture of all three species. And if you have – I guess we'll talk about this a little later. I don't really want to jump into that right now. But you uh, um, know, I mean, since I've been all over the place, is it seems like they're pretty similar. Like how, like where you can target them you know like uh, that's just the way I, I think about it you know just uh I, I have a pretty simple mind you know just go go fishing and try to you know pattern you know I mean this is the way I think about it you know since I've been all over the country
0: anybody else
4: yeah and how much I'm curious how much like tournament fishing affects that too right because like I don't necessarily tournament fish right so I just go out and I either target smallmouth or I target largemouth around like mixed lakes which I was on yesterday I knew if I went like past the first third of that creek, I wasn't catching a smallmouth. But like if I stayed in the first third of that creek or like at the mouth where there's some rock or mixture, I mean it's it's fair game for either fish.
3: I think it's funny how wildly different and the same a lot of our smallmouth fishing is around here. I know Alex and I, so we have these a lot of these kind of Highland reservoirs, super deep, clear lakes, and then we got these tail race fisheries. So the tail race, it's always changing. You know, the water flow, depending on the current, those fish move around. But typically it's big line, big rods, moving baits,
1: yeah.
3: stick them in the face and get them to the boat. Whereas you can go straight up to Norris Lake and in the wintertime, you're throwing a grub on two or four pound test in 50, 60, 70 foot of water and catch yeah. a big stallmouth out down there. But it is yeah, but- the same thing, like you were saying, it's like it's rock um it's it's current it, they kind of sit in the same areas but it's crazy yeah. to me how different and, and Alex like you go to Norris and you catch those fish cranking shallow too mm-hmm. especially yeah if it's a little, little color too so I mean it's it's weird
4: I'm curious because a lot of you guys have fished up north as well right like Caleb and Alex you fished lakes that I fish you came with me and fished them so like some of those bodies of water where we were catching smallmouth, how much does that relate to what you guys do down there, especially reservoir style lakes, right? Where Caleb, where you and I went fishing and we were skipping a jig and I ended up catching some smallmouth, skipping a jig. Like,
1: yeah. Yeah.
4: Does that fish at all like Chickamauga, right?
3: No, they don't do that there. They don't get on docks and they get on bluff walls. So again, even Chickamauga, even though it's a reservoir side, it's the main lake side, those fish, they position themselves like river fish. Most smallmouth on these lakes stay main lake. Um, they stay on bluff walls especially, um, and chunk rock, main lake points. Um, they very rarely, there's a few creeks that they move into, but they're, the catalyst for that is they're very deep creeks. They have the same thing. They have bluff walls, they have steep rocky banks, and that's where a lot of these fish, it's funny because the largemouth, they'll pull all the way back into these tributaries and creeks and spawn. The smallmouth they spawn early and they only pull to like the first third of the creek, where that really those really deep channels stop, and then they'll spawn right there, and then they're out again.
4: Yeah.
6: That's, that's interesting. And I'll tell you one humongous behavioral difference that I see between our smallmouth and smallmouth that i fished up north is our smallmouth don't like sunlight. Like no. they they're like vampires. They want to hide under rocks. They want to get up under something. Like and a lot of the times with those bluff walls. You know, you'll find them. You know, up under an overhang, like where a bluff wall's broke off. That's where that small mouth wants to be tucked up under that. They want to be under something dark, and they bite better when the sun's in. Like, you know, I know up there, up north, being like, we went fishing before, and the sun comes out, and we catch them better. Period. Yeah. But down here, like. I, the day that me and you went to Norris Bend, I told you the shittier the day, the better the smallmouth are going to eat. And Especially, when the rain really started to move in and like set in, and it got dark and crappy outside, is when the brownfish started to show up. And which I find that very fascinating. That's one humongous behavioral difference I've definitely seen between our fish and your fish.
0: Casey, what do you think? Is that kind of you
5: translate know, over think, northeast? Uh, yeah. I mean, I think up here the you. The sunnier and windier it is, the better they bite. Um, I mean, I've had good days on cloudy days, but they like the sun. And the catalyst to the sun is the wind. If it's sunny and slick, you're going to have a little bit tougher time unless you're maybe dropping deep on boulders or something like that. But uh, for me, if it's sunny, there's got to be it's preferred to have wind.
4: I'm with you, Casey. I agree, man, especially on like our glacial bodies of water, even like our inland lakes. (laughs) All of our places, even the tannic bodies of water, right? So, like, that tea-colored water, if it is sunny and slick, those fish won't bite. But, like, if there's some wind, they will come up and smash it. And I think it has to do with, like, visual feeders. Even on Norris, which is a clear lake, Alex, where you're catching the smallmouth, is dirty for up here.
3: Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Whereas in the wintertime, though, when I'm on Norris catching them with Will and uh, his buddies out there, Frankie Doppel and stuff, those guys are hammers out there, and it it is super clear in the wintertime. You're talking about 25. To me, it's clear, 25-foot visibility plus. Yeah. Yeah. But it's amazing to me how deep those fish will sit. And I think a lot of that, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, I I think a lot of that's because it's a striper fishery as well. There's so many big striper in there that I think it displaces those smallmouth deeper than they would normally sit. It's Mm -hmm. just wild to me. I mean, they they catch them in 70, 80-foot all the time over there.
4: Yeah, I think – Sorry, you know, I was man. gonna ask Austin to give us a rundown on what they do in, in California or like what they do in New York Bailey. Like what are those fish doing that you know? You know,
2: like in a river system, you know, where you know where they're hiding and stuff. I feel like not necessarily eddies, and I've seen like out of the current just hiding in boulders, you know, and then you have <laughs> our lakes that those fish get out on the flaps where there's kinda of some chunk rock or some boulders or whatnot. But, you know you know, fishery that has you know multiple species like largemouth and spotted bass. I feel like the, the smallmouth are definitely harder to find, like, like you, you can't target them because you know, some are like you can catch the smallmouth in the same area you can catch, you know, when spot but I'm not see the, the you know, the behind boulders or whatnot. Um, and then some are smaller that have some trappers in them. Um, there's not very many smallmouths
6: at all because I believe. It's right. I think the. We're losing you, bro. Yeah, I uh, hope somebody's taking take some notes. I got boulders, is what I heard. I heard <laughs> definitely something about boulders. I, I got one bar where I'm at. So. <laughs> I'm <fine. laughs> great,
1: great.
2: So you know what, you guys here, me, I still got one bar.
4: Yeah. I, you yeah. Yeah, yeah. I can you know. hear you now. A
3: little better. Well,
2: I only got one bar, so who knows if I'm gonna even stick around? I might even drop the call. <laughs> <Yeah.
1: laughs>
2: trying try to walk around, trying to get a, get a couple more, couple more bars here. I'm still, I'm still getting one. Anyway, if you guys can hear me, um, can you hear you behind the truck in the better in front of the truck. Yeah, there's a, <laughs> a little bit more wind, but um, how about now? Can you hear me? <laughs>
0: yeah.
1: <we can> hear. <laughs>
2: Anyway, back to the river system, you know, where the fish, you know, are kind of hiding in the rocks. Um, you're not just – they're out of the current. Too. I mean, they're, in the, they're in the eddies and stuff, but where there's bigger bulldogs. Um, it's harder to target on some of these lakes most of our lakes have all three species. And um, you just can't target, you know, one – you can't target the smallmouth because you'll catch uh, largemouth and spotted bass in the same general area. Uh, um, and and uh, I forgot where I was going. what I what I uh, what I said earlier about. No, it, I was curious know, about you know, that too. the river system a the smallmouth a little bit? What? I'm curious about what?
4: I no, no, about like how on largemouth, smallmouth small fisheries, like mixed fisheries, mm? how the smallmouth are reacting or acting um, in comparison to like just smallmouth only fisheries because our smallmouth only fisheries are so much different than mixed fisheries. Interesting question. You
2: know they they still I mean they're still in the same general area like you still find them around boulders and spotted bass they're still aggressive um but you'll catch the other two species with them, you know? So like you'll you'll cast out there and catch a smallmouth and then you catch out you cast back out there and you catch a spotted bass and if you cast later you catch a largemouth, you know they're not they're kind of all just mixed in. You, you either, you know, um, even though they kind of don't like each other in some some fish trees, I feel like you, you won't, sometimes you won't find the spotted bass near the smallmouth, or you get you don't find the, the smallmouth near the near the largemouth. They kind of butt heads almost, you know. But uh, at least that's what I think. But um, it and they don't not like back east. These, our small smallmouth don't get as big. I mean, yeah, you can catch some five and six pounders, but that's a that's a that's a good one, you know. Um. I don't know if it's just something uh, the gobies or whatever they eat There's because we have the warm you know warm water for those fish to grow you know kind of like the largemouth. you know we have so many big largemouth here but uh it's it's weird how like you know up east you know back east northeast is uh those fish get so big you know with the water being so cold um but I kind of lost my train of thought
4: <laughs> yeah no I agree uh, and I kind of second what you were saying like I find a lot of times our largemouth and smallmouth will get on the same areas. Like those smallmouth in those mixed fisheries don't seem to be as nomadic as they do on, you know, glacial bodies of water, even on the Great Lakes, right? Like those, those styles of bodies of water just seem to congregate those fish a lot more with other species of bass versus like glacial bodies of water where they're so nomadic and pelagic, like chasing bait fish constantly. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm just super interesting. Bailey, I'm curious about what you're doing though. I'm like, um Cayuga up there, you're smashing them.
0: Yeah. So I brought Casey on here. Uh, and I invited him on here because he, Casey knows these Northeastern smallmouth 20, 30 times better than I do. Um, he's been at it a lot longer than I have. Um, but I think one thing we can agree on though, is that they're very structure based. And then usually in the summer months, they're pretty hard to find on certain bodies of water in Um, With that being said, like you said, how certain lakes, you know, there's largemouth and smallmouth, you will find them generally in the same areas on the structure. Just because, you know, New York, we have these big, they're just essentially lakes are just bowls. They're just bowls of just grass. And so it's generally when you find structure, you'll find both species. And uh, that's essentially what it's going to be. But Casey, can you expand on that at
1: all?
5: Yeah. I I mean, up here, we have all different realms. I mean, we almost have different strains of smallmouth just here in New York State. We have Great Lakes smallmouth that are, you know, similar to, to St. Clair and Erie and all that. They're they're deep water fish. Uh, we have fish on Champlain and Oneida that will mix right in with largemouth. Those are grass lakes. And then we have Finger Lakes you know, smallmouth like Cayuga and Canisius and Cucca Lake. those fish in They'll come in shallow in the spring, like, you know, the way Bailey's catching them now, you're catching them in 10 feet of water or less They're pre-spawn or spawn. And then in the summertime, they go out and get pelagic on hellwives, Those lakes don't have gobies in them. So we have, you know, three or four almost different types of fisheries and types of smallmouth just right here alone.
0: Yeah, that's, so,
5: that's awesome.
0: Yeah, so like we have some of those lakes where, like, Ben, in one of your videos with Alex, how you only could find them using panoptics. It's actually yeah. you know, some of our lakes do the same thing here where you can only find them right in that, that line just chasing bait the whole summer.
4: Now, like, what are you guys doing right now? I, I know it's kind of like, as smallmouth fishermen, I think we're a little bit different than largemouth guys who are like, well, you know, you just go throw a war. Like, it's kind of secretive, but at the same time, like, what are you guys doing to catch these fish?
5: Fishing shallow right now. They're just up on rock banks, shallow. I mean, this doesn't even have to be a flat. It can be main lake stretch, just anywhere there's rock, shallow. I mean, it, it kind of over the course of the years, you just kind of learn where they go into wherever they go there year after year after year. So it's, it's rock related and it's shallow. That's the only two common factors, really. And if you get in a lake where there's a, a million of them, then they can be literally on every shallow, rocky stretch.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
6: Yep. So, I find this interesting that now that we're, we're just kind of on this topic of where they're at, I know me and Caleb, like when we target smallmouth, whether it be in the tail race or, you know, if I'm on Main Lake stuff, like our smallmouth, you know, Ben, when I fish with you, we're throwing jerk baits, drop shots, Ned rigs, little shitty stuff that I don't like to throw. Me and, me and Caleb are throwing six and a half inch plastic, you know, paddle tail swim baits. We're throwing 20 pound tests. Test. We're throwing jackhammers. We're throwing. I mean, I've caught, I've got on smallmouth in the winter with a 10XD before. I mean, yeah. I think, I don't know if it's just a forage deal that our smallmouth are targeting big gizzard shad. I mean, we both experienced uh, smallmouth spitting up bluegills and crappie. And you go down like Pickwick and uh, Wheeler and all those lakes, those fish are primarily eating crappies and bluegills and really big bait. You think that's what's playing into it, or do you think it's just we're just it's almost like you say they mix together and it's just you know they're used to bait that size, so they're taking a swap at it? Like, I, I I find that very interesting too.
0: Yeah, ben, wasn't it wasn't it Lake St. Clair where uh, I think it was Oliver Nye caught a smallmouth on like a 10 inch mag draft phone for months or something like that?
4: Yeah, yeah, no, that was uh, yeah, that was up by us. And the deal up there is they're eating big perch, right? So they're eating like 9, 10, 12 inch perch. So when he throws that 9 inch bait or 7 inch bait, just smash it. And um, I, I think it has a lot to do with forage, Alex. And, and it's the same way up here. Like I can throw an A rig and catch smallmouth because they're keyed in on those four and a half inch bait fish. And that big presence of an A rig actually draws them to it rather than scaring those fish away.
3: That's a good point, Ben. And Here's my theory in the tail race, especially, you know, we fish this when our current is ripping a lot of times and you're ripping down the bank. So the current's actually pushing you, you do drifts. You can't hold with spot like You're running, I mean, three to five, sometimes even seven miles an hour down river and you're making short, quick casts at an angle on the bank. To me, the main reason that they hit these big swim baits, I mean, uh, I've got a buddy that's been catching a lot of them on a big seven inch Scottsboro line through as well. Uh, they hit, moving baits, bigger baits like that. I think it's because it's just like a drawing power thing too. If they can see it, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It draws a few more fish a little bit further and it's like they're so mean those river fish are, uh, they, ha- they have like, you know, how many a split second to make a decision if they're going to eat something.
6: But what's like, fascinating here, <laughs> Go ahead, man.
5: I think here in the northeast uh, anyways, they're extremely territorial too so they get off oh, the spawn yeah. and you know it doesn't matter if you're on champlain or ontario and you throw i mean i've thrown big hud swim baits and stuff by a boulder in practice when i don't want to catch them and uh you know they'll follow that thing all the way to the boat so it's just that becomes a territorial thing for sure too yeah yeah
3: especially I, on those little I mean, lakes.
5: It's all about.
2: I think it's all about the bait that's in your in your body of water because you know we have we plant a lot of trout here and uh, I can't tell you how many times I've seen a smallmouth just t-bone my head from <laughs> on, on glass uh, here and just you know it, it just all matter It depends on what kind of bait you have in the in the uh, in your fishery and if that's the main forage or not. Like I said, most folks plant with trout, so I mean I'd say I say how many had this t-bone? And they can't quite get it in their mouth, but it's cool to watch them try to to eat it. That's you know, for sure.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So, so casey made the point earlier of talking how smallmouth are dumb you, you know generally if you're around them there's a good chance you can you can get one to you know commit but best seasons in your, in your opinion it's best seasons you know, time of year to get on them and then the worst time of year to get on them what would you say oh dude
4: best time of year is like right now up until they start to spawn i hate catching them off beds i mean they're stupid and they're really easy to catch on bed, but like I just hate it. So, like, right now till they spawn, and then again, like late September through the end of the year.
3: I've got a controversial one on this. Uh
4: oh. Some
3: yeah. of my favorite times to catch big smallmouth here is the dead end, most miserable part of the summer in September. We get on a crazy bite on the low end, and I don't even know what causes it, but it's like a crazy topwater bite around marinas. Mm-hmm. Fish in mm-hmm. around marinas, you can catch them on big topwaters and big mm-hmm. jerk. It's like the biggest jerkbait that you can throw out there, the biggest topwater you can throw, and I'm talking like going out and smashing like 20 pounds, and they're yeah. skinny. Some are smallmouth. You know how big our smallmouths? are they're like 22, 23-inch giant smallmouth that are skinny. And then we get on another crazy bite, and I I know Ben and I talk about this a lot, but the mayfly hatch, like our mayfly hatch is dynamite for big smallmouth. Uh. It comes in (laughs) usually like July 4th. You can pretty much count on it. It's going to be some of our biggest hatches. And we can go out and absolutely wreck house. Daytime, nighttime, doesn't matter. But you guys say it's tougher for y'all. I mean, I I can go out and I can confidently say I'm going to catch 20 pounds smallmouth like every time during the mayfly hatch.
4: (laughs) No. (laughs)
0: Yeah, see, that's why
5: it's so different. Casey? uh, The hardest time of year to catch them is easy. It's winter when there's ice on the lake. The rest of the year it's, <laughs> 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 pretty, much, pretty much have at them. So, uh, I mean, spring is fun because they're shallow and they're aggressive. The spawn, I, I don't like the spawn either. I don't like the fish from on beds. We have to at Champlain for tournaments a lot. Uh, Post-spawn, I would maybe post-spawn I'll say is the toughest realistic answer where they group up and they kind of are they are just in small wolf packs, they're not in big schools and they're still semi-shallow that can get a little tough sometimes summertime, I mean on the Great Lakes, summertime is one of my favorite times because they're deep, they're on shoals, you drop on them, a riot on the Finger Lakes summertime can get very, very difficult because that's when they become pelagic, so that's that can suck too, but uh, fall time is unbelievable up here. This fall time is hands down my favorite time because they're deep and they're they're aggressive as they are in the spring, but they're deep, twenty to fifty feet. I like to fish deep. I don't like to fish shallow, especially the way we have to do it in the spring. Fall is my favorite for sure.
0: Awesome. Awesome. You there? <laughs>
2: our lakes up in the sierra uh man they just chew during the summertime i I don't know what it is about it and then obviously the river fisheries in the summer and fall is just current fish i feel like it's easy easier to catch. um but you know spawning like it's harder to target them for here you know for most of our lakes around where i'm at just because you have all three species you can come across them but like i I don't really i don't fish for them that much you know on our most of our lakes right around here but the summertime and i guess in the fall it's probably my favorite time to fish for them you Um. know
0: so now's the, the big question that I was most curious about your guys' opinions of is, now there's two strands of large mouth. Do you think there are two strands of small mouth? And this is one that Alex brought up, so I'll give him the credit here. But I'm very curious your guys' thoughts on this topic. Yes.
4: I've, gone, I've gone back and forth on this. Alex and I have talked a lot. And I'm like,
1: mm-hmm.
4: talk to Alex, and I'm like, oh, yeah, for sure, for sure. Dude, I don't think so. No, I, I really don't.
6: <laughs> Listen, okay, let me let me lay out the argument, okay, and then we'll debate. Because you got to lay out the argument first before you can talk about what's actually going to be talked about here. So, Caleb, back me up here. Our smallmouths are built completely different. They look completely different. Their mouths are completely different. Their tail shapes, completely different. If I caught a five-pound smallmouth down here and showed it to you guys and then caught one up at Ben's house... And showed it to you guys you would see two totally different fish yeah and i really believe and i have done some research into this asked some fisheries guys around here smallmouth that live here are are naturally here and have been here for thousands of years right and they've lived in the river systems around here now by like by the blood work and genetically they're the same fish right But there are variations there, like variations in between, I don't know, a butterfly that lives in one part of the rainforest and lives in the other part of the rainforest. The only thing that separates them is a color or something like that. It's that kind of genetic difference. But I'm telling you, just the build, the overall nature, body language of our smallmouth is completely different than anything i've ever seen up up north and like ben i've dude we've studied pictures like we've literally set like you've been driving i'm like look at this fish and then okay now look at that one you see how different they are i mean there's just there's definitely a difference there i believe um My
3: thing is too i think it's specific to the tennessee river system absolutely tennessee river system smallmouth they are they're weird it's it's like the difference between a kentucky spotted bass and a alabama spotted bass if you've caught both of them alabama spotted bass kind of reminds you of a striper it's a torpedo it's extremely fast very sight-oriented fish whereas a kentucky spot short fat they kind of look like a guadalupe bass Um, just and that that's why they're distinct and i think it's the same way with our smallmouth they're long they're torpedo shaped they have massive tails uh, even when they get fat, you know, for like my dad, the biggest smallmouth that he caught, he caught right in front of me. The thing was, it was only six and it's like 634. The thing was almost 26 inches long. I routinely catch 24 inch smallmouth here that are four and a half pounds.
6: I mean, heck, I caught one the other day that was four and a half pounds and like, tw- I think she was 25 and three quarters inch I, I, like, if you know, i remember a, it right Norse. and in yeah. any
3: and even that's the thing unheard of up, up north but even if we go to our deeper clear lakes it's not like that either like yeah. if you go to Norse and they're not the same cherokee those they're are not the same they're north more like fish
6: Asian. yeah the Norse fish are built like northern fish and because yeah. my understanding of that is that those fish were stocked there
1: uh, from
6: God. from northern strain smallmouth because they wanted them to be those bigger, bulkier smallmouth. Where the smallmouth they live in the Tennessee River system came from all the tributaries that you know, up in northeast Tennessee. You know, you go to northeast Tennessee, there's a lot of culture on like the Demiki rig and smallmouth fishing and all those fish have that riverine look they come from the rivers they're natural smallmouth that have lived in shallow rivers their entire life i mean some of these smallmouth that i catch on these kayak floats that i go on i catch them out of a foot of water and they've lived their entire life in a foot of water eating you know crawdads and gizzard shad and everything else living in this turbulent environment and i think it is distinctly made them different they have definitely um you know they've just adapted to that environment they've had to they've gone from football to torpedo so that they can sit in that current and they can effectively kill in that current I
1: agree. so
4: i think so so here's the reason that i disagree initially and well, okay, still disagree. wrong, this it's okay <laughs> <laughs> no no but like my biggest thing was when i was fishing this fall i started to notice especially in our river systems how long and narrow these fish were but i really got to thinking like That's the difference in habitat versus difference in species, right? So, like, our fish in the river system are long with giant tails, but you can still catch, like, a four-pounder that weighs, like, 22 inches. But the reason they don't get to be 25, 26 inches and four pounds is because we only have a six-month growing season versus, like, a 12-month growing season. And our forage, like, doesn't move all year long. So our fish only grow six months out of the year and that's why they live to be like 25 30 years old
1: yeah basically. whereas your
4: fish live like 12 years and you got a five and a half like a five and a half pound fish mm-hmm. our fish is still like not even done starting to grow at that point
3: yeah that's wild that that is a cool difference between northern fish and southern fish
0: yeah i think you know casey and benny you can speak for it too if we caught a fish over 24 mm-hmm. inches that was a small mouth i mean be eight you're, <laughs> you're looking at the record books for your state. Yeah. yeah, but
5: we have, I mean, Bailey, you know this, and Austin's probably seen this too at Champlain. We have we have both. We have the fish that you guys are probably used to seeing on TV with short, fat St. Lawrence goby ears, but we also have... Bailey, you know what they look like at Canisius. They're long and skinny and have big eyes. And if you've been to Champlain and you fished in the Rouse's Point area and you've caught some of those, they are the same thing. They are long, skinny, big tails, and big eyes is the defining part because those fish chase bait in open water all summer like they do on Canisius and probably like they do a lot on the tennessee river during the summertime and those east tennessee lakes so we we have we have both right here for sure yeah well
4: yeah. i think that big eye thing is super interesting man i've never really thought of that or heard of that but like now that i'm thinking of it like our river fish their eyes are enormous for their little head
5: yeah yeah champlain there's sections of champlain that they have huge eyes and there's sections that they don't and i'm i'm sure of it i've heard brandon Polnick say the same thing actually when he's gone up there that they have huge eyes specifically in the rouse's point area of champlain and, and <laughs> for sure they roam open water in that section of the lake more than the rest because of the lack of offshore structure you know middle of the lake offshore structure there for
6: sure Dude, we need someone needs what to advocate awesome? for. I would love for to see someone advocate for some genetic testing to be done to see if those fish have literally adapted to their environment and changed.
3: That's really what it is. Whether you call it it's uh, a it's a separate species or like a hybrid, whatever you want to call it, I think it's cool as crap how these fish, no matter where they are in the country, it's like microevolution. They've figured out how to adapt to that particular area. And I'm you're talking to... about
4: something. Why? Are, why is no northern state come up with like a trophy fish program, right? Like you have Tennessee or yeah. Texas and Florida. Like no one's tried to invest in making like a hybrid smallmouth that will get to be like nine pounds. <laughs> Instead, people are I, like uh, they're
5: called Lake Erie ones. Yeah, yeah. Lake Erie, the Great Lakes <laughs> smallmouth. Lake small
4: <laughs> <laughs> but like you got these G twos and you have the Florida strains. Like, come on, guys, make a giant smallmouth. <laughs>
3: Austin, what do you see over there? Do you see the same
5: yeah, thing we're we talking about we we with the We definitely short don't time? have
4: that. I mean, a six it,
5: is a really big one here for it sure. It depends.
2: Yeah, I, I definitely see that. But I see, obviously,
5: river fish are
2: just more like lean. They're to lakes where there's a lot of, you know, a lot of fat. They're not fighting current their whole lives, you know. Um, and I've definitely seen that when I fished uh, Chickamauga. I caught, I caught some smallmouth out of there. There's lean, They just looked like a different different species, you know two different breed of, of yeah. smallmouth. I definitely I never thought about th- you know two different species of smallmouth until this panel popped up and And now thinking back to all the fish I've caught, you definitely you can definitely see a difference for sure you know and you, there's definitely a difference here too in, in our lakes and our rivers. they they're like a two different strain of fish. I mean obviously they're same they're the same, but they're a little different. that's for sure.
0: I wonder if if this topic has ever been brought up to like a fisheries biologist, and um, I should have I should have thought about that to bring some of them on, like somebody in that position to who might. Oh, have I'm working. Yeah. i working on that,
6: dude. Yeah. Like I yeah. I am wanting to ask these questions to uh, like an actual <laughs> biologist who's in the field doing you know all the genetics work and crap because I want to know. It fascinates the hell out of me to know the genetics mm-hmm. of our fish.
3: So here's a question for you guys. Now I know alex knows a lot about this but around here we have a crazy nighttime smallmouth bite on our clear lakes in the tail races anywhere our fish eat like sharks at night uh in the winter time summertime it doesn't matter which is to me again goes back to the kind of the light thing i noticed we talk about up north a lot how the sun plays big for smallmouth up there um here I'm telling you nighttime it, it could be bitter cold 20 degrees in the wintertime. as long as the lake isn't froze over you can still catch smallmouth at night catch them on hair jigs spinner baits anything that'll thump still catch them on you can catch them on sartreuse uh, and white crankbaits at night here you can catch them on swim baits at night I mean they they are sharks at
0: night it's when a lot of the big smallmouth get caught around our area Casey have you ever gone out and gone night fishing here
5: I, I never have. I think on the
0: podcast I did with you,
5: you said you have, though, right?
0: Yeah, I've gone out here in some of our lakes where it gets real tough um, at, you know during the summer months when they're hard to locate, and like Casey said, they're pelagic. And I've gone out, and they go up real shallow at night. But you won't catch them until it's at least midnight, 1 in the morning, and you're yeah. still in like a, a whopper plopper or a chopo and that's the only thing they'll hit. And like I've tried spinnerbaits, chatterbaits. They only want something on top
3: timing is so important at night uh mm-hmm. you talk about windows we have around here for some whatever reason like one to three o'clock in the morning is dynamite and then um about two hours before daylight that there's like a magic window there um for whatever reason but you and guys dark okay. and in cooler water in the fall and stuff you guys should try some especially smaller like so you could break down pretty easily you guys should try going out at night
1: i'm Does sound- curious
4: on, on this man like Durds is one of my best buddies, and he is insanely technical about some of this stuff. And we've been listening to all these podcasts talking about, like, major and minor feeding windows, especially at nighttime. Um, I'm curious on how that plays, because we got to talking about some of his largemouth night fishing and how, like, when the moon is, like, straight overhead, the ability that these fish have to still see even in nighttime
1: periods. Yeah. I mean, new moon.
3: New moon is dynamite nighttime yep. fishing for us. I'm talking like it is black, black dark. Like it's yeah. cold out there, and those fish will literally try to take a rod out of your hand at night. And it's that's the what the I was gonna say. Ever is
6: is like primo nighttime smallmouth fishing for us is new moon. Yeah. In the Back of a cove, trees overhead, so damn dark that you can't see your hand right in front of your face, and like those smallmouth are just. Uh, it, and it's crazy to me with the accuracy that they can hit something <laughs> like it'll be so dark that you're literally fumbling all over yourself trying to catch a fish and they're smoking a swim bait so deep that you're having to you know cut the swim bait off and dig it out of their gullet i mean it's just it's insanity to me how Ooh. those smallmouth function like that
3: one of the biggest nighttime smallmouth baits for us too which is crazy to me is literally a small hair jig with a pork chunk trailer it has no thump, no action, and those fish, they find it and eat the crap out of it. It's a small brown grub, and I'm talking it's a brown hair jig that we use at night, and they, they find it, and they eat it.
0: That's so, interesting. I don't
3: understand it. It doesn't make any sense to me, but they, it, I think, honestly, I, here's what I think. I think the lead from those things ticks the rocks, and just that little, it's just like a crawfish, just that little tick it's like when they hear it they come running as far as they can hear it from and they'll track it down to eat it i mean that's the only thing that
6: makes sense to me
0: do you find that color makes a difference at all when you're fishing at night
1: no nope nope
6: everybody says black and blue red and black Bull crap.
1: i've caught them on
6: chartreuse i've caught them on i mean just as long as it's (laughs) as long as it's in the water with them they'll t-bone it like a freaking great white t-bones a seal
3: shad bluegill crawfish they don't change color at night
4: so you yeah. think scent matters? I mean, not at nope. night, but just overall, like, scent matters versus color matters. Yeah, I don't even know.
3: I mean, I don't think that even matters at night either.
4: But even, like, during the day. I-, I found, like, smallmouth are so dumb and aggressive. Yeah. Like, for the most part, if they can see it and it looks like it should be pretty close to what they should be eating, they're it. <laughs>
1: yeah.
4: <laughs> now, I will
6: say aggressiveness. That's something I do want to talk about outside of tail race fishing you're not gonna find that hyper aggressiveness um like on some of these upland reservoirs like when we're dropping on them or even in winter when we're throwing a rigs you'll catch five largemouth before you'll catch a smallmouth because that smallmouth wants to follow whatever you're throwing (laughs) all the way to the boat and i don't know why they do that But like, you know, those tail race fish, I think they just live on a treadmill their entire life. They're just, you know, like Ben or like Caleb said, something comes by their face, they smoke it. But I I find it really strange that like our small they're aggressive, but they're not as aggressive I think when other fish are around them. Like if I'm fishing and it's a mixed lake where I'm catching largemouth and smallmouth, it's like the largemouth are the ones to jump on it first and then you can go Ben, you experience this with me. We went down a bank, caught all the largemouth and I told Ben I said we'll go back up this bank and catch the smallmouth cuz they're a little less aggressive right now. And we went back up the bank and caught all the smallmouth. And I don't know, again, that's something else I think plays into I think it's a species difference, not species but, you know, two different strain, a strain difference. I don't know. Is it, That's great. Have you guys experienced that
4: up there at all? Hmm. Okay. Yeah, I mean, ours don't get that much, like to that extent on a certain bank. Like, if you fish down a bank with a swim jig and you catch a largemouth, like, this you'll catch a smallmouth, a largemouth, a smallmouth, or vice versa. Like, they mix, mix, mix.
1: Mm-hmm.
4: What about you, Casey? Like, are your fish mixing up?
5: it depends on the structure in the lake like if you're on a champlain or um, oneida where there's fish relating to grass then yeah they mix up a lot um i mean i fish tournaments multiple day tournaments on oneida where you'll think you're on largemouth and go out and catch a big bag of small mouth and then the second day of the tournament you catch a big bag of largemouth, and it's like what the what the hell is going on it's <laughs> like what well, how'd that happen but i think that's more grass related i mean those fish are eating perch and crawfish and stuff like that well you know great lakes obviously they're not doing that st lawrence they're not doing that even the finger lakes beyond the spring they're not doing that so
3: mm-hmm. i
5: think those are yeah. for here it's more grass grass fish
3: one of the craziest things i've witnessed on our tail race fisheries especially i've got one rock pile down at naked jack that i've seen this multiple times where the current will be running across it's a little eddy it's a current break and there's predatory fish that are sitting there you know it's a prime location but it's weird because it's almost like they're segregated so you'll be making the same cast literally i'll spot lock in the same spot and i'll make the same cast for three hours and i'll have nothing for 10 minutes will happen and then all of a sudden you'll see the the current kind of pushing a little bit different on it and i'll catch four giant drum in a row and then I'll, I'm like, crap, you know, whatever. The current pushes back a little different. I catch five big largemouth in a row. The current comes back, and then it's stripers, and then it goes back again, and then it's all smallmouth. Like they're literally segregated by species. And I've seen that in the backs of creeks a lot of time. In the summertime, we have these big springs back there, and it's super clear. And I throw swimbaits on them. I've literally watched shoals of big rockfish striper kind of pull up there. They'll kind of swim around it for a minute, be gone, and all of a sudden the largemouth pull back up in there. They're in it, and they're gone, and then there's a few little spotted bass. They're in it, and then they're gone, and then it's striper again. It's like little cycles of the same fish, and they'll do that all day. They'll, they'll pull into the creek channel, and they'll pull right back around. It's just you can sit there and watch it happen.
4: Interesting. That's
6: crazy. So another thing, something that I've noticed down here. <laughs> I catch. Sh- and this is interesting to me because me and Ben have talked about this. I have never once set on any one spot in East Tennessee and caught multiple smallmouth in a row unless I'm in the current. Yeah. And they do not school up like the largemouth school up. Like You can go get on a ledge or get on a deep point or even sometimes shallow and catch 20 largemouth in one spot, right? I've never seen smallmouth do that. I'll catch a big like it seems like it's one big dominant fish by itself or i'll catch a bunch in an area like you know in a stretch. pocket or yeah in a stretch but like up there being like there's been multiple times that me and you have set in one spot and caught 15 it's like I think,
4: I think the biggest thing up here is our lack of cover and our lack of structure mm-hmm. so like, you're talking glacial bodies of water because on our river systems they don't do it either Yep. Right, like smallmouth won't group up on like a a small, you know, let's say one small section of there's rock right here. On rivers, not on like Great Lakes or anything attached to the Great Lakes. But like you get to a glacial body of water where it's like a bowl, like Beaver, for example.
1: Mm-hmm.
4: There's one point, and those fish have to sit on that one <laughs> yeah. point because the there's lake. nothing else. <laughs> yeah,
3: <laughs> that cracked me up when we pulled into that lake. I was like, you took us to the pond yeah what's going on i remember when you first pulled up there i was looking i was like so can we go around the corner there and you're like no that's the end of it over i'm like no, what?
4: that's the end of the lake like yeah. what? put the trolling motor down and we're gonna fish around
1: what?
3: this whole thing yeah <laughs> and i'm sitting there thinking does this guy know what he's doing and like my first catch or first cast i hook a big one and like what the third cast i caught a five yeah okay i guess yeah there's fish here
6: (laughs) and and just the stark contrast between like i go to lake huron one day with him and i'm like my god this is the ocean and then the next day we go this place where i could throw a football from one side to the other i'm like what the hell what are we doing here hold on a second i was catching freaking six pounders yesterday i want to go back there and ben's like no 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 just just hear me out on this one there's one grass patch and it's like right over here
0: Yeah, it's definitely a timing thing for us up in the Northeast. I don't know about you, Austin. You know, welcome back. It seems like you. Yeah, I'm sorry, you a lost <laughs> <my phone. laughs> But this time of year, like it seems like when they're pushing up before the spawn, that they relate pretty hard to whatever structure that we have. So when you usually you catch one, you, you'll generally most of the time you'll find another. But then once that spawns over, if you catch one, unless you can keep on that school, they're very nomadic. They're just they're just gonna keep moving. Like Casey mentioned earlier, they just. Move around, they, they chase bait all summer. So, in that summer, month time, you catch one. It's, I mean, I've never caught, unless you're on the Great Lakes that we have, like Ontario or maybe the river. After I catch one, it's pretty tough to find the other because, because they keep moving. I don't know. Do you, what do you think, Casey?
5: Uh, lake to lake. I think if you're on one of our bowl shaped finger lakes, it, yeah, it's difficult. But if you're on somewhere like Champlain or Oneida or the St. Lawrence, um, or even Ontario that has some more of that shallower habitat, boulders and rock veins and grass patches, then they're grouped up. They're just in smaller groups. Like, you know, a big group of smallmouth in the post spawn is 10, where in the summertime there might be hundred. So I think they have a, stop, a little, a short period there where they're just in short, smaller wolf packs in that, you know, six to 15 feet, whatever, call it 10, 15 feet of water. And um, they roam those wolf packs until they get enough energy to move out and then really group up big time in the summertime.
4: Hmm. spawn, like are your fish really, really, really tough to catch?
5: That's
2: that weird transition. Uh,
1: I feel like that's
5: good. I, I mean, not overly in a in a bowl-shaped finger lake where they're very pelagic. Then yes, you might have a short window there where you can catch them on top water, you know, on the grass lines or something. And then those fish are gone. Uh, on somewhere like Oneida or Champlain, they're they're pretty darn easy to catch. But um, you know, Ontario definitely has a, a tough post spawn period where they're not they're not shallow anymore and they're definitely not deep so that they can get tough to catch there
4: yeah like on here on man i mean i lose them for like a month like i won't even go because unless i'm looking at them or i like can see the boulders that those fish should be on like man i'm done until they get on to like that 25 to plus foot of water
0: Now, why do you think that is? Like, Do you have a theory for it, or is it just...
4: I think they're so spread out that, like,
0: unless you're willing to
4: just constantly stay on the move to look for something, you're going to have one fish here in seven foot of water and one, two to five fish here in, like, 14 foot of water. But, like, they're very hard to continually catch or pattern because they don't stop on that spot. They just kind of come through there, like, sit for a little bit of time to gain some energy and then move back. I mean, they're just trying to feed and get back out to that deep water.
0: Austin? Awesome.
2: You know, it's just that weird, even all the species are kind of that transition either from, you know, spring, you know, to summer, you know, that trend, that weird, there's a weird time in there. They just, they don't want to eat. I, I don't know what it is. It's kind of, kind of like lockjaw, you know, it's uh, and yeah. then that weird time between summer and fall, it's the same thing. Like they just kind of get that lockjaw where they don't want to eat um it's just a weird time and i i, I feel you on that one it's kind of hard to target them and if you do catch one there's you don't I, well, at least for me i don't catch another one it's kind of like very random for me yeah,
3: yeah that's funny because for us like our post spawn for smallmouth and largemouth, we have so many other forage species that are going into spawn so we get these huge shad spawns yeah. um the threadfin start spawning then the gizzard shad um you've got bluegill, all kinds of panfish spawning in between there, crappie a little bit before all that. And so you can literally just follow those other fawning or spawning forage species and, and get right back up with your predators. But like you guys were saying, you can't really it's hard to, to differentiate what species you're gonna catch, but I can go out there there's so many shad here that spawn main lake on these little gravel bars and stuff. You can go out there and just absolutely hammer largemouth and smallmouth main lake on those areas.
2: And that's crazy, you know. With talking about the shad spawn, because out of here in tally like if you find a shad spawn, you, you can't catch fish around them. Like they're yeah. just so focused on that bait, where you can't you can't they you can't catch them on anything. They're just it, it's great. It's just I don't know. It's like cause I've been to the Tennessee. I've been I've been to yeah. you know, Chickamauga where the shad spawn's happening, and you can throw right. You can throw a spinner or top water or crankbait. bait. Yeah, you, can kill, just that's them, you know,
3: in the morning. You know, it's, it's dumb. Yeah yeah you can't control the size of the fish that is the one tough no. part if you're a tournament angler like you might go catch 70 fish and you might end up with 25 pounds and there'll be one giant and a few decent ones and then like you fill out a limit you know what i mean <laughs> yeah they're, they're all together but it's fun
1: yeah
3: these fish are always biting and like i was saying with that marina bite you know a lot of people talk about that really tough time in september august like dog days of summer as it's trying to you know the lakes and stuff are turning over our lakes don't turn over because they have so much current and those fish just position for whatever reason around the marinas i still haven't figured that out there's got to be something going on i don't know if it's a second shad spawn or there's
6: definitely something because me and caleb i've talked to you about this you know some of our are more tougher i'd say tougher lakes definitely mountain hill is probably like no one's ever heard of it's a little bitty <laughs> tiny lake that connects to good for the <laughs> like, yeah yeah good for them don't ever come if anyone ever says hey you want to come fish mountain hill flip them off and walk the other way um but anyway <laughs> um those those lakes there's something that does happen during that that weird dog days of summer where the smallmouth will get in about 25 foot of water and they want to look up and it is the damnedest thing. You can't get them to bite anything except for a giant topwater. And there's something about those fish that they want to look straight up and they want to come up out of deep water and literally, like a great white on a baby seal, just destroy stuff. Mm-hmm. And I don't know what's happening there that that happens, but it's only marinas and bluff walls that you can get on that bite. And it's just... The
0: only thing I can
2: think is the shade. There's a lot of shade in those areas, you know. I mean, yeah. obviously
3: it's dog days of summertime, but they got so to be related. To the, of, cage. That's what I think too. I don't know if it's just it's comfortable to sit during the day there, but that bite really kicks off for me like low light. It's early morning and it's late afternoon, and you don't do as much during the midday, which is odd to me. But right. I, I it, okay, so here
0: it's
6: Tennessee. Caleb. That that's what we so just need to
3: so far <laughs> underneath. the – the houseboats and stuff that you can't actually catch in midday, you know, because you can't get a top water or anything big that they want back in there. That could be it. And it's hey, Caleb, ended. you
4: want to know my theory on all of your fishing patterns? What is that it is you and you're doing the weirdest stuff in the possible <laughs> lake? lake. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hey, Justin, like,
1: yeah, over analyzing,
3: over
6: Yeah, I mean, I've called Caleb before, and we're like, listen, you ain't gonna believe this shit. 35 foot of water whopper plopper 190 size you got to throw it out there and burn it back as fast as you can small mouth unload it on it he's like all right that sounds real good let me go try that <laughs> yeah. he's like, dude 23 and a half pounds you ain't gonna believe it and i'm like dude i told you <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're oh, both over here funny. like trying to pull shit out of our ass that like no one's ever heard of before because literally like tennessee is the Never
3: weirdest we it, like has a bass boat so yeah, you everything's do about like that
1: to be successful.
6: In yeah. like yesterday, it was 35, and then it got up to 77. Today, it thunderstormed, and tomorrow, it's probably going to be like 90 and snowing. I mean, like, who knows? Like, it's the <laughs> craziest thing
0: you've ever seen. Good grief. Wow. Isn't this... So, an interesting argument that I want to ask your guys' opinions on because you guys, like I said earlier in the podcast, you fish a lot of different lakes and a lot of bodies of water that have smallmouth. I guess not your, not your favorite lake, but you what is do you think is. You know, the smallmouth capital of the world, like the best place to go and catch numbers and quality of smallmouth.
4: Mm, that's easy. Ben lives there. <laughs> no, it's St. Clair, man. Like everyone can say St. Lawrence and St. Lawrence is a factory. But like you could put your boat in the middle of St. Clair and never like just have someone drop your boat there and you
5: could drift around anywhere and catch them.
0: Hmm. I think Casey you have a, a different viewpoint of the river. <laughs>
5: Yeah, uh, St. Lawrence is overrated, hundred percent. But uh, we we have a hundred places here that are that good too. It's to me, it's here. But I've never been to Michigan. I gotta go to St. Clair for a, a Costa this year, so I'll let you know after. I guess.
1: Yeah,
3: <laughs> I, I gotta say it's, it's it's north of the Mason Dixon. Let's put it that way. Like, those northern fisheries, they're just they're on a different planet.
1: Yeah, for sure.
6: Yeah, I thousand percent agree. I mean, I've never caught I mean, I've caught giant smallmouth down here. You know, that's something that we do have is just freakish, big smallmouth, but they're hard to catch. But I've never seen anything like stuff that I've done in Michigan on Lake Huron and St. Clair. I can't say much. So one day I went to St. Clair, I didn't catch a freaking fish. So (laughs) I can't say much about that place. But north, up north anywhere, I feel like it's smallmouth mecca of the world. What what's the world records? What Dale Hollow? Is that where it's yep. eleven pounds or something like that? Yeah, eleven pounds. If you believe it. Yeah, I don't believe it. I don't believe it.
3: Really? That fish looks like it might have gone eight, but anyway, we could we could debate that. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so last question before we wrap this thing up here. um Not your not what bait might be the best for catching smallmouth, but your personal favorite way to get on smallmouth. It might not be the most efficient way, but your favorite way, just you, you know, your personal touch, what are your guys' favorites?
6: Caleb, do you want to answer want to hear, for to both everyone of everyone us? Else. Yeah, I'm going to we'll we'll let you go ahead and, and steal my let... answer, <laughs> Alex.
1: Go ahead
6: and steal my <laughs> answer, bro. Yeah, uh, I'm going to probably answer for me and Caleb both right now. Uh, 89,000 to 90,000 units of water coming out of any of the dams around here with a six inch swim bait on a three quarter ounce head and some 20 pound tests and just freaking jacking their faces there's there's nothing quite like that
3: that or small body crank i like really catching with cranking too just just burning a crank as fast as you can do it and them just trying to take the rod out of your hands that's, that's pretty fun cool
2: man i got two I, it's either a, a four inch swim bait but uh top water man i just, wa- I, I love top i mean just like all you guys i'm sure you guys all love top water but just watching the small big brown ones come up on a spook or something like that is oh dude so much fun yeah so
4: much fun.
0: okay ben
4: yeah dude so i either like catching them like really like power fishing with like a medium diving crankbait like a 15 foot diver or like really finesse with like six pound test line and a drop shot I'm like I've <laughs> Visible eye roll, <laughs> <laughs> dude. I do. I like catching them out of like thirty foot when I'm like video. Game I know fish. you do. I know you do.
3: Seriously <laughs> though, all right. So you river guys, a technique that I've been killing them on the last few years and dynamite <laughs> oh, is a Nico God. rig. Oh, okay. Nico well. rig because it, it keeps you out of the rocks. <laughs> like our tail races, you get hung so much. You throw that Nico rig on there, and it just you can drift it down and keep it in some of these areas. Like, oh man, it's dynamite.
0: Casey.
5: Oh, man, every one of them. <laughs> uh, I like, I mean, I like dropping on them. That's fun, but I like catching them on top, watching them blow up at Champlain and Oneida. I like dragging in the current to St. Lawrence when the rod just gets heavy and pulls back. I like swim baiting them on a big swim bait. All I like right, cakes. No He's just like
6: way. I like fishing. I just, <laughs> just want to
3: catch there's him. There's I like no it. If it's big and it's brown and it chomps out on my bait, that's a hella good time. <laughs> I like
5: <don't care>. it. <laughs> I don't care what it bites. I'll I'll take anything. Other than damn Nico reg, you ain't gonna find me throwing that. No, no it's like <laughs> no. a Senko,
4: man. I am not touching a Senko. If a smallmouth won't eat anything but a Senko, I will never catch one again in my life.
3: I, I didn't say I was throwing a Senko. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes I'll throw a, a trick worm, I throw crawl baits on it. It's just the main thing is the Nico rig because it keeps you from getting hung. Those tail race fisheries, the currents run is so strong. It's like fishing a, a trout stream, trying to drag a football jig in a trout stream. Like You're going to get hung every cast. If you try to fish anything on the bottom when they're running 80 cc's, 80,000 cc's. I mean, you're going to get hung as soon as you touch the bottom. So that's the one thing that you'll hang a drop shot every cast, but that plastic will float over top of the rocks
0: I'm a little bit favorable to the football jig recently but I love a good jerkbait bite.
3: I wish I could get a football jig and then tail race to, to go anywhere. If you want to go through about fifty dollars worth of football jigs in twenty minutes, I got a place that we could do that.
6: <laughs> yeah, you wanna lose some stuff, just call me. We'll go lose some stuff. May break some stuff too while we're at it. Yeah. Yeah.
4: I have a serious question. Where is the next world record smallmouth gonna be caught or is it ever gonna be broken because of it's twelve pounds? North it's Alabama. 12. North Alabama. Northern
6: yeah. Alabama. Wheeler, Pickwick. I've seen this year alone, there were, I think, 26 smallmouth caught over 8 pounds.
3: Wow. See, I know of 3 over 9 caught on Nick and Jack just weighed in tournaments last year. Honestly, some of our lakes down here are probably your best chance to catch a true trophy smallmouth. Like Just just doing the numbers, the amount that are caught down here, I honestly think if you want to catch a smallmouth over 8 pounds, you're better off being somewhere on the Tennessee River than being up north. But overall, I think northern fisheries are better.
4: Yeah, I mean, to catch like a six, you're better off up here. But to catch like oh, an absolutely. eight plus? Yeah. You know, like to catch I a mean, seven plus, you're better
1: off down there.
6: Realistically, all it takes is a smallmouth getting about 26 inches long and eating one or two more extra gizzard shad, and you've got a freaking 12-pounder. I mean, no kidding. I mean, these fish are they're freaks in nature. They don't even look real. Like you see them, I and it's like... It's like the spotted bass on uh, Bullard's Bard. You're like, those damn things yeah. are photoshopped because they're just, I mean, their heads don't even look right. They're just, yeah. it's crazy.
3: Especially Cresson and, and Pickwick. Mm-hmm. There's something special about that. Nick and Jack pops them off every once in a while, and Watts Bar pops them off. You know, there was like, there was like six of them over eight in yeah. Watts Bar last year that I heard about.
6: Yeah. Um, they're there. It's just, just catching them. I
3: mean, there's, I know of multiple over eight pound smallmouth that have been caught out of chick
6: yeah so I mean it that or some little bitty just no name creek I mean, I can't tell you how many kayak floats I've done where these smallmouths literally I don't think they've ever seen human beings because nobody's messing with them, and like you're going to places where it's all private property as far as the eye can see, and unless you know old Jim Bob, you know, and you ain't gonna get shot, you can go float this river and watch. Yeah, and like you know, the TWA is floating these places, and they're shocking up freaking nine pound smallmouth because nobody can touch them. They're just living there and turning into freaks of nature. Hmm.
1: Yeah,
0: okay. Casey, I'm curious if you'll agree with me on this or not. But I think Lake Erie could pump it out just because there's the the vast amount of fish and big fish caught with the amount of area that they can cover. I don't know. That's my personal opinion.
5: I don't know. I don't. I don't think you're gonna see it break a world record, but I think you're gonna see the New york state record broken probably in the next year or two I, I would be very surprised if they don't break it at sooner or sooner I mean we now, know do a you guy, think it we, actual... we know a guy who caught one within a couple ounces two weeks ago you know yeah.
3: Um, yeah it's just crazy to me like we talk about nines you know we've all heard about nine pounds smallmouth but the amount that you hear about that are double digit smallmouth, I mean, that I can, I, I think I've heard of like three from different guys. And it's like, I know a guy who knew a guy who went to Dale Hollow with a spinning rod and a hair jig and caught a 10 3. You know what I mean? Like, you you don't hear about tens. And so, how in the heck are you going to catch one that's over 11? Well, because
4: yeah. like a six pounder is like a 10 pound largemouth. Exactly. I mean,
3: It'd be like catching a 20, yeah, a 25 pounder. Yeah,
4: it's like catching a 20. 20- you gotta think. A, a t- double digit is really like catching a nineteen to twenty pound largemouth bass. Yeah.
6: So do you they, guys like think your trophy that,
4: program, man? They need to the grow them yeah, for us. I need the yeah.
6: trophy program.
4: I, I wanna go back to Casey's point though, because like do you think it'll be caught out of Erie or will be caught out of like one of the rivers that connect to Erie, or is it gonna be caught like because my concern and I fished so Saginaw Bay connects to Lake Huron, right? So if you look at Michigan, as this part of, like, the thumb. In that shallower water, I've seen a lot of big fish, but I've never seen one over, like, I've seen one over seven, right? Like, I've heard of one over seven.
1: Hmm.
4: Is it going, like, is there so much nature going on out there, right? Like, so much current, so much, like, so many different things going on. Those fish can't grow that big. But you look at where all these state records are being caught. They're out of like the rivers that connect to Burton Mullet and like Hubbard Lake.
5: Um, I mean, we we're, we're still never going to touch the world record, but I think the right. New York State record. I mean it's gonna be eerie the Saint Lawrence slash Ontario. I mean a guy tied it out of the St. Lawrence two years ago um with How a freakish that? looking fish. Uh, uh eight yeah, I think it's eight
1: two. Yeah, it's 84 eight eight
5: in New York State. A right? four. So yeah. yeah, a guy a guy tied it a couple in years August. ago. <laughs> Which yeah, I'm shocked uh,
4: by, and, dude. I'm shocked that it's that small. Not like that's a small fish, but like
5: that those place pump out so many big fish yeah i mean it's we just don't get those giant giant ones up here like i've never even caught one over seven and i've caught millions of <laughs> bass on some of the best smallmouth places in the world and i've never caught one over seven so we just don't get them and and what i find too is you don't get those freakish big ones in these giant schools like that guy who caught the one that was eight four he he was fishing a tbf tournament he had four fish so it's not like he was around some mother load of you know a hundred fish and he caught that one out of it and that's what i say to my buddies is those fish i don't think live in those kind of groups because it takes so much to feed those fish you know, if you're, I just don't think it's going to come like that. It's going to come by a guy walleye fishing with live bait or something <laughs> crazy, you know, a guy trout fishing in open water. I don't know. It's going to yep. be something weird like dude, that. It's a like the Michigan road. State record. Michigan State record, a guy caught on a
4: night crawler and a worm off of his dock, just cast it out with a beer in his hand. Right. <laughs> I've never caught a seven and this dude catches a nine, nine.
3: Awesome. Wow. Right. Austin, what are the sizes of the smallmouth that y'all have on West Coast? I'm curious about that. I don't I'm out of touch with that. They're
2: they're pretty small. I mean, compared to what you guys have back east, you know. Yeah.
1: Four
2: four pounder is a really good one. Um yeah, a... five and sixes are massive. My best my really good buddy of mine, his brother caught nine. But other than that, like our our smallies back over here are, are relatively small. Yeah. What's your
1: state you know, record?
2: uh i think it's eight eight something i believe i'm not don't quote me on that i don't know i don't know I, let me let me i have to look that up yeah for sure. I,
0: I can look it up right here yeah, oh, most,
2: you know, up. we have uh you know most of our like one of our lakes real nine pounds uh is 18 pounds someone caught it trolling for trout you know it just but mm. obviously it's not we're not talking about largemouth
6: <laughs> the mm. california state record smallmouth is nine pounds 13 ounces
3: Oh,
6: I thought God. it was for some reason. That's,
1: That's
3: ridiculous.
2: ridiculous. 24, 24,
1: almost 25,
4: 25 inches long. Oh. Was they caught it Uh Party? Say? Lake Party? I'm not sure. Know. see that. It Casey, I, I want to touch so. on something you said but about the rogue fish. I don't think you're going to catch a small mm-hmm. when you're around like a big pot of fish. I have this concept for a video where I want to shoot... Uh, It's called Seeking Brown 7. I want to go out and try to catch a 7-pounder. And one of the biggest things that I have to take my mindset and shift is, okay, if I'm catching a bunch of fish in an area, especially if they're, like, 4 to 5 pounds, I have to leave those fish as much as I don't want to because I know that 6-pounder is sitting, like, 200 yards away from them or that 7-pounder is sitting, like, Mm -hmm outside of those fish picking up the the rogue bait fish outside of it right like i really believe especially even largemouth like those giant fish are not sitting with all of those other you know smaller class
5: fish Mm -hmm. yeah i mean i've had a lot of days uh, been really 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 good up here and you know you to catch six pounders six and a half i mean i've caught one that was i caught one the biggest one i've ever caught was six nine one and that was that was in a big school of fish i mean caught a lot of fish that day out of that school so there's big fish there but i think that, that completely freakish one is is not it's it's off with with less fish you know maybe you don't even fish the area repeatedly because there's not a giant load of fish there so you wouldn't go back over and over so that's why i think someone's gonna you know i don't want to say by accident it might be a guy fishing for a small i don't think it's gonna be a guy that's catching a hundred fish in a day and they're all four and fives or three to fives and then all of a sudden there's a nine pounder in there i don't think that's gonna happen
1: yeah hmm.
0: Do you, do you have a theory? Do you, any of you guys have a theory as to why you think those that fish would be outside of that school, not with the majority of yeah. like Benfree? Because you're you're going after this with the I uh, whole idea of getting away from the fish to go catch this one big fish. Do you have a yeah, so, theory as to why they act that way? So here's my thought. You know like your
4: grandma when she gets really sad and she's like God sitting there and she's telling you, <laughs> hold <laughs> on, listen to me. You're sitting there, she's really sad, and she's like, man, I all lived, all my friends. Like, that's his fish. He, he's done. He's all lived all of his friends. They've all died off. And he's sitting there trying to get the biggest meal he can possibly get because he's fat and stupid. Like, he's lived for 25, 30 years. <laughs>
1: yeah. And, and I he think doesn't it's have nature. anyone to
4: hang with, right? Like, it, he is the aggressive predator in that area, the Apex.
6: Yeah. yeah, and that's his nature, right? I mean, like, you look at the most giant of anything ever, right? They're always by their self. There's something about becoming that big that I don't know if you just, you know, you're pressured out. You know, different species, there's going to be completely different, you know, reasons why. But, like, you look at the biggest great whites ever tagged. They just live by themselves out in the middle of the damn ocean, eating freaking whatever the hell they want to eat, right? You know, they're huge. And I think these smallmouth are the same way. They just get so freaking big, and they just wander around out in the middle of Erie, right? I mean, Erie and these Great Lakes, they're like the ocean. And I mean, these fish can literally live in an area where no human being will ever see them. And when a you know 10-inch perch swims by, they're just like, I'll have that. And they're just freaks. They're freaks of nature, man.
3: I think it's the territory thing. It's just like those big fish. We talked about this when we did that swim bait uh, panel the other day, big swim bait panel, big fish. It's just like when uh, Ben and I, the first time, or I think the second time we went to beaver and I was talking about throwing that swim bait, we could pretty much call our shots with that big swim bait on where that giant, giant smallmouth is going to be. Because small lake, there's a few key structure areas. It's like if there's a big fish within this, you know five acres of lake she's going to own that space well when you're talking about a huge fish like that it's an old fish it's a relatively smart fish sometimes it's hard to get that one to bite so she's probably there it's just that you're not going to get that bite necessarily every time
0: yeah alex i think you make a really good point on that's just nature because like coming from my side of things my fam- my family's also huge into hunting and you know mature bucks you know the you know that biggest class of bucks i don't know how much experience you guys have with hunting but right. the biggest deer are aren't killed how where the majority of deer are going to be you have to think completely out of the box differently if you know if they've lived that long there's a reason why and it's not because they're doing commonplace things where you see most you know of those bucks or those deer move and i think that's kind of you know In general, I think, as Alex said, that's just nature. I think a lot of species do that. It's just, obviously, we don't notice it as much. It's natural
6: selection at its finest. The biggest Mm -hmm. and the baddest mf -er in the lake lives, and the rest of them die. And, I mean, that's just the way it is. They've done something their entire life to make sure that they're alive.
3: That's why the grandma analogy threw me off. Yeah. (laughs) I'm just just sitting there like, and grandma must be, like, smoking a Cuban with, like, tattoos everywhere.
0: Like, yeah, y'all get
3: off my couch. Yeah. I imagine
0: when I think about that ten pound That's <laughs> funny. Well, I don't have any more topics to bring up. Is there any last remarks you guys have or any questions you want to bring up before we hop off here?
4: Yeah, what's your best big fish smallmouth bait?
0: I've only caught two over five and they both came off of a football jig, so that's all I got. So like dragging slow. Essentially, yeah.
3: I'll tell you guys what most of the giant, giant fish around me, especially on Nickajack Jack get caught on like your over eights, over nines get caught on a one ounce, three quarter ounce, ounce and a half spinnerbait with double willow leaf, big willow leaf blades.
1: That's and, moving, and moving, right?
4: Nighttime.
1: Reacting.
4: Yeah. Hmm. That's me too. So I, that's why I find it super interesting. I mean, like my biggest fish ever came on a, a six cents, 300 DD, like a 15, 17 foot diving crankbait. Like, just burning that thing as fast as I can possibly move it. My second biggest game on a jerk bait, like, fishing it as fast as I possibly can. Yeah, mine's the same. I think if they pay attention to the bait, like, I don't catch a big one that's, like, looking at the bait and trying to inspect it because they know it's not right.
6: Yeah. yeah. I mean, my biggest smallmouth in Tennessee before I went up north was, you know, five pounds and I caught a lot of five-pounders since then, and every single one of them has been on a jerkbait. And then when I went up north, my 5'14 that I caught came on a jerkbait. It's something, but it's a jerkbait too. That's a completely different topic for a completely different day. I think that's next to a glide bait, one of the most powerful baits in your box.
3: I think it's funny.
4: Or, or a marabou hair
3: <laughs> Everyone makes fun of me because I fish a lipless crankbait way too much, but my biggest Tennessee smallmouth and my biggest Michigan smallmouth, I both come on a lipless. Let's well, come on LV500, actually, ripping that thing, yo-yoing it.
4: That LV500
2: straight catches them everywhere.
4: Oh, dude, it's so special. That bait, Caleb, made me realize how special that thing is.
3: Mm-hmm. Dude, we had an epic day after a tough day with that thing.
4: Another good one, just in case you've never fished it, a Duo Vibe 68. It's a lot yeah. like the LV, but, dude, yeah. it is so small and so compact. Mm-hmm. Those
0: things are. do it. Uh, it. Those All right, Casey, you're being yeah, too Casey, quiet.
6: I gotta hear yours. Casey's <laughs> yes, like, please, uh, don't, ask uh, please don't, ask <laughs> don't ask me. Please don't ask me. I like, I like Casey too because he's sitting there yeah, like really analyzing negro. and listening, and I'm like just waiting for him to drop some like gem of knowledge from like way <laughs> deep. Like I'm going hold on. I gotta write that down. <laughs>
5: no, probably. Um, uh, between uh an eerie a tube honestly i mean a million really big ones on a tube or uh just like a kytex swim bait something like that i've uh, the biggest ones i've ever caught have been on that the biggest bags i've ever caught have probably been on that so you know Tech swim bait a rig tube ned rig lately too i've thrown the crap out of a ned rig the last few years (laughs) now when you're
4: retrieving a tube I know, like, cracking a tube is, like, a big thing, but, dude, I've caught so many giants, like, just dragging it as slow as I possibly can move my arm with a tube.
5: Yeah, I don't, like, that's the deal Zona does where he cracks it, and I don't, I don't have much going on with that. I just drag the thing around like it's a shoe on the bottom.
4: <laughs> and you can't feel anything. You just, pray, you just know you're in the right area.
5: <laughs> yeah. I've got a pattern for you guys to
3: try. Perks dynamite for smallmouth and largemouth here. Um, a lot of guys do it and nobody talks about it. But we actually throw a tube on heavier line and we throw it like a lot of guys do a swim jig where you keep it high in the water column and you're moving your rod tip. You actually keep it where you can see it and it's like a bait fish. You throw like a smoke, you throw a pearl... And you keep it up in the water column, and they cannot lay off of that thing because the way that undulates. But you're literally just your rod tip's doing this the whole time, and you're keeping it where you can see it with a lighter weight. It's the stupidest thing. It sounds stupid, but I'm telling you, you'll go catch, you'll smash it on.
4: It's unrelated, Caleb. But like, what is it with the Alabama shake? Because you get like north of Mason Dixon <laughs> yeah. and below like Georgia, and why are guys looking like they're like half stroking out and throwing a like swing? jig? It, it just works.
3: I, it does. It, yeah. It's funny. Someday, I mean, I don't do that purposefully unless it's absolutely killing it. Like, I'll when I get a swim jig, I start throwing it both ways. If they'll eat it on a regular retrieve, I'm gonna throw it a regular retrieve because that'll wear you out. Doing that, you better have a light rod. Is all I gotta say. I'll never I mean, forget. Because, like,
6: I was would with Ben well i was fishing with ben one day and he goes he goes dude why are you moving so much and i was like what are you talking about he's like dude you're like twitching like you're on crack and i'm like bro i'm just fishing he's like no you're twitching and popping and moving and cracking and ripping and dipping and i'm like well you know it catches fish leave me alone I i don't know
4: yeah so i was really really lucky to to fish with brian schmidt or like help him with his video stuff last year and dude is a hammer with a swim jig and one of the biggest things i noticed is his ability just to reel that thing and use his rod to move that bait and then you look at these alabama guys who are equally successful with a swim jig or very successful with one and they just twitch constantly but
1: like
4: i love fishing a swim jig but i just straight retrieve it and like throw pops in with my hands versus these dudes who are like shaking the crap out of that thing fishing a quarter ounce or a 3 heaviest. I
3: got a theory on that. Okay, so especially when those fish are feeding on something very high in the water column, or they're very shallow, when you're twitching that bait, you're popping it with your rod tip up, and what it's lifting in the water column and dropping down. So you can keep that within a certain area a lot better. It's like it's like walking spook, right? You can keep that in one area in a strike zone, a smaller area. So if you're fishing around wood during the shad spawn, if you're fishing. Um, and the tail race and the fish are really close to the edge of the bank. It's just staying right there and it's drifting with the current It's doing what it's supposed to do. Um, you're not pulling it out of the strike zone very fast. It's just staying high in the water column where they want to see it. And it's staying almost in one place, but it's going crazy. It's like, I think once it gets in their space, it's spazzing out so much, they just can't help but have to to kill it.
4: And are you fishing like a quarter or three eighths most?
3: Uh in the tail race it's usually like a quarter. Um if I'm fishing if I'm doing that with yeah, yeah, with a swim jig. If I'm doing it with a tube, I'm using like an eighth ounce.
4: Okay. And yeah, I
3: use like, straight braid. I'll use straight like fifteen pound or twenty pound braid.
4: I think I I've been thinking about it a lot, but like it makes a lot more sense fishing a quarter or three eighths where I'm fishing a three eighths or a half and I'm straight retrieving that thing real slow. Yeah. Right? Like I want that thing to float. And so I want to put like a, a kicking trailer on there that's holding that yeah, bait higher in the column. True. Right. And you're just using the rod to keep that bait higher.
3: Yeah. Using the rod. And I use a bigger trailer too. Cause a lot of times when I'm doing that technique, like I'll be on a grass edge, I'll be fishing laydowns, I'll be fishing around docks. And it's just like that thing, it stays there. It's moving and it's a reaction bite, but it's staying there in their space too awkwardly long. You yeah. know what I mean? There's like, Uh, if they're on the fence, they're like, okay, that thing is just, it's chilling out too far, you
4: know, I gotta kill it. I feel that. Dude, yeah. when you said too awkwardly long, I thought of that guy that comes in for the handshake and holds your hand just too long, and you're like,
5: "Oh gosh!" <laughs> Bring him on, Sorry, man. <laughs> hey,
6: I, it is a regret getting us three on here because we will go off on tangents. I just want yeah. you to know that. <laughs> Next thing you know, we're gonna be talking about like a freaking, you know, prehistoric smallmouth and how we think, you know, That's the fossil I've- record can help us catch fish. <laughs> <laughs>
4: Sorry, I was, I was really curious
3: on
0: that. <laughs>
1: i love it
3: the quarantine is getting to me now i can, I can talk about this <laughs> three hours
0: <laughs> any uh any last questions topics we want to bring up before we hop off here all right cool i just want to say thank you to all you guys though just for taking the time and uh to you know hop on here and talk about this i know this is a subject i think we're all excited to talk about so this was this was a blast this was, i think uh this is one of, hopefully we can take this podcast alex and you know Send it to a biologist and be like, "Hey, you know, get to work. You know, you got some homework to do." Listen, I got a
6: guy. He's he's a TWA guy, so he's Tennessee biologist. But I am I'm going to have him on one of my podcasts here before too long, and I'm going to like reach out to everybody and just get a list of questions. And we may have to do four or five episodes, but I would just want to ask him like every question that you could think about, like the actual biology of a bass. And he, I think he's going to actually get me hooked up with the guy who specifically does large mouth, small mouth and spots. Um, and like, he's just a big research guy for all that stuff. So uh, hopefully sweet. we can answer, ask all kinds of questions. You know what I mean? That'd be sweet.
0: Sweet. That's awesome. Cool. Well, thank you guys again. And, uh, hope you guys are staying safe, staying healthy. And, uh, hopefully all this is over soon. So we can, hopefully Casey, you can go back and you and Austin go back to fishing tournaments. Yeah. So. Yeah. <laughs> Get back yeah.
5: Here. I'm ready to fish a
1: tournament. <laughs> yeah, same here. When does that start? Boys. like
4: up in New York? When can you start fishing tournaments in Austin? What are you doing for tournaments this year?
2: Hey, well, this year I'm, I'm fishing wild west bass rail, it's pretty similar to I guess the coast. It's not, it's a little bit cheaper, but the same payout. And it's around eight eight mm-hmm. eight hundred fifty bucks uh, for a pro and then like three hundred bucks for an am, but it pays out thirty grand for that's uh, awesome place. Yeah, so um, and then I'm I'm picking and choosing on the coast this year, still kind of figuring out kind of sponsors because I would like to fish the tour again, you know, that's kind of where I'm obviously uh, I had a great time last last year, and obviously I re qualified last year, I just didn't have the, the finances to keep going, so um, that's definitely my the goal is to fish the coasts to qualify, but as of right now, I'm just fishing wild west and uh, just a few open tournaments. That's
5: sweet. Awesome,
4: Casey. When do when do you guys open up in New York?
5: Uh, We open uh, the third Saturday in June, but we're starting to have a lot more preseason tournaments, like like catch away release stuff. They're doing a bunch of guys are doing different forms of that. So I'm actually fishing one in two weeks. I think Bailey said he's going to fish it too on a Cayuga. It's just a local club, so it's all members of the club trustworthy guys and uh go out they give everybody a certified scale and you gotta you gotta weigh you gotta video your fish on the scale take a picture of it and then record your own weights it's a team format so there's a little bit of a trust deal there but they keep it to a refined group um and then there's there's a few like straight MLF going on. I've stayed away from those because you get guys from all over that. I mean, you you don't know who's trustworthy. I mean, a guy who has 12 pounds all summer long has friggin' 76 pounds and I'm weighing his own fish. So it's like <laughs> I'm not gonna monkey with that. But yeah, we don't we don't start till uh, third Saturday in June. I don't. I actually don't have a Costa until uh, the last two years. I haven't had a Costa until uh, mid July. I got a ways to go still. For anything you know, sizable. When is when is Sh- or when is St. Clair? Uh, September, mid September. that'll be fun.
6: Well, listen, hey, y'all want to fish a tournament? <laughs> yeah, just um, come on down to Tennessee. I mean, we're having seventy-five and hundred boat tournaments every damn week. So, uh, hey. <laughs> they're <laughs> like coronavirus my ass. We fishing boys. I mean, you show up with <laughs> hundred fifty yeah, boats in the boat ramp.
5: Yeah. Yeah, they totally. shut our asses right down up here. We couldn't even launch the damn boats for a couple weeks. Same in, I know it was the same in yeah. Michigan, but yeah. it's yeah. ridiculous. So I, I, I fished right through it. Screw that. I ain't set my ass on the ramps. That's ridiculous. They oh. threatened to
3: do that here in Tennessee. I literally hooked my boat up and I drove it to my grandfather's lake house. And I was like, I got my truck with my, my construction <laughs> wrapping on. There. I was like, I'm going to take my essential butt over there and drop my boat in and go fishing, whatever. You know, it doesn't matter what they say.
4: That's great. Mm. Love great. it
0: all right guys Th- again thank you appreciate you all and uh stay safe we'll talk to y'all soon
4: are you? All right, see you guys yeah
0: well i just gotta say that was insane that was a blast like the amount of information that was being spit back and forth was just incredible so you know if for all you guys watching or listening to this i hope you listen to the entire thing because there is a lot of valuable information that came from that we got a lot of uh, on that podcast, there were experts from each region who know how to catch these brown fish that we love so dearly, and catch them well. Catch them not just you know now and then, but often and big ones too. Uh, so they know what they're doing. They're all hammers in their mm-hmm. own region. So these guys know what's up. Go find them down in the description. All their profiles. You you do not want to miss out on that. But they you need to take their advice and the things that these guys say. You know, take it. You know, and actually implement that. To your your skills that you put out in the water, uh, you can translate these things, and it's it's awesome to critically think with these guys. You know, all of our brains together. You know that we have some are some goofballs, but at the same time, you know, there's some serious conversation with with valuable input that can be put into this. Which which was it was this podcast was incredible. It was probably the most fun I've had for an hour and a half of just talking about bass, which was was a blast. So I hope you guys enjoyed it. You know, again, there's this was. was incredible the amount of information that came out of this um drop a comment down below uh whichever application platform that you're you're watching listening from if you're listening from an application that you know you can't leave a comment you know message me over you know facebook or instagram um not only just hear the feedback on the podcast in general but just what these guys have done as well from you know ben alex caleb casey austin um so that they can get that message go you know go follow them down in the description and shoot them a message as well and all these guys are great guys that will be willing to help you catch more fish so hope you guys enjoyed that you know go follow these guys again for the third time go follow they are the most genuine guys in the industry and they're all hammers um so go follow them and then also subscribe to the outdoors youtube channel follow me on social media at series angler on instagram and facebook and uh, if you don't want to you know, watch this on YouTube, you can listen to the podcast on Anchor, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and the Angler app. Pretty much, I think there's like nine total applications, ten total applications that you can listen to Serious Angler. So I appreciate you guys watching for listening. We'll see you next time. Hey, guys. I just want to say thank you for listening to my podcast in its entirety. With that being said, if you'd like to support the Serious Angler podcast, please head to my page and click support. Any amount really helps me be able to create content for you guys and also helps me, you know, pay the bills, which gives me more time to make podcasts for you guys. Thank you guys again for listening to the Serious Angler podcast, and we'll see you guys next time.